we're used to having all of this information in front of us and we're just accepting it at face value instead of this seems a little bit weird. Let me do some research on mm. it. And I think for technicians in practice, um, our job is to follow the orders that the veterinarians have given us. And, and I love doing that. I, but I think not enough technicians understand why. Sorry for saying sorry media presents the Purr Podcast. The best podcast for feline medicine and surgery with tips, tricks, and updates for the entire veterinary healthcare team. If you're dying to know more about cats, keep on listening. Here are your hosts, Dr. Susan Little, famous cat vet and textbook author, and Dr. Yola Kerpenstein, talented surgeon and social media geek. Hello, this is the Per Podcast, and this is Dr. Yola Kerpenstein. And this is Dr. Susan Little. Dr. Susan Little, where are we? <laughs> I think we're in Chicago. Yes, you're allowed to say that. <laughs> you're allowed to say that we are in Chicago, and yes. it's beautiful weather. It is sun is shining, and we're at Chicago Vet, and we are very excited because we have some exciting guests. We do, but there's a actually a better reason why I'm excited. Uh-oh. No, Oy- it's a good reason. It's a good oysters? reason. Um, no, it's not oysters. No, no. It's because, okay, so what month is it? It's, it's May. spring. It's spring, right? It's May, it's right? May. So where I live in Ottawa, um, spring comes very late. So it could still snow. It's up in the north. Spring never yes. comes. So Chicago in the spring, yeah. much pleasanter than where I live in the spring. I will go anywhere early in the season. Really? Yeah. Oh, that's a good idea. So if you it want- It could still snow. If you, you know. want- st- Dr. Susan to speak anywhere, just do it early. Especially in the early year. in the year. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Unless you unless you're frigid. talking about a latitude or is it latitude or longitude? That's I forget which. I unless latitude. Longitude is La- like this. And oh, latitude okay. is like So that. unless you're talking about a latitude, as we're all dear listeners, sketching with fingers in the air. <laughs> yes. So unless you're talking about a latitude more north than me, I will go almost anywhere in early in the year because it's warmer. So anyway, that's why I'm happy and it's a it's a sunny day. And yes, we have an amazing guest. And we had we do have an amazing guest. Would you like to introduce yourself? I, I would. Um, my name is Megan Brashear and I'm a veterinary technician and I am newly working at the Purdue University Veterinary Teaching Hospital. Ooh, where what I get does to newly teach. mean? Um, I have only been there since November. No Ooh. way. Yes. So really? I took... We did not know that. Yes. No. Breaking news. No. Breaking news <laughs> yes. for everybody. I spent she... almost 20 years in Portland and yeah. then moved wow. to the middle of Indiana. Okay. So <laughs> you need to explain that to me because... Okay, Portland, I can see is this free, <laughs> open yes. society. Yes. Lovely place. You know, the woolen socks and, you know, everybody and happy. And the coffee and Coffee the, and everything. Yep. And now you're going to where? West Lafayette, Indiana. India. Oh, right. <laughs> I said that. I said that. People mm-hmm. in Indiana said that. People in Portland said mm-hmm. that. But I love it. It is, it's, it's been a really good move for me. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I'm very happy. In Indiana, and I never thought I would say, and say those words. And that's the Midwest, and I'm living in the Midwest too. And you I do. Can, mm-hmm. I can, you know, because when I left Kansas a long time ago, I said I will never, ever, and then I said a bad word, come back here. <laughs> uh, and then a couple of years later, I'm back. And as a matter of fact, I like it much better now than mm-hmm. I used to do. Uh, one of the reasons is because it is so sunny. and Yes. So to move from rain eight months of the mm. year, to it snows but then the sun comes out and it's it's and the pace is different and there's still good coffee and there's still good food and i live in a college town and there's a place that delivers fresh baked cookies until three o'clock in the morning and it's not it's not all terrible 
No. <laughs> There's a little pocket of, you know, socially progressive. You know, I was a little bit worried about moving mm. to the Midwest and it's be just a really different culture yeah. Yeah. than the Pacific Northwest. Mm. And it, it really hasn't been that shocking to me. So what do you do now? What's different about what you do now? Um, I'm doing a lot of the same kind of core job responsibilities. I'm the small animal veterinary nursing manager. And so I'm still managing technicians. I still get to work shifts in the hospital. Um, but I get to spend more time with students. And um. so there's a veterinary program, obviously, and there's mm -hmm. also a technician school there. So we have vet students and tech students in the hospital. That's and awesome. now there's just an endless supply of people to listen to my stories. <laughs> <laughs> and, and new people. Yes. So every three weeks they're new and they haven't yes. heard my story. Exactly. <laughs> so, you can keep on um, talking. Yeah. That environment is just very supportive for what I like to do. That's awesome. And it's, uh, you know, I, I was in private practice for a long time. And then coming to, to university, just the pace is a little bit different and the focus is a little bit different. And it's it's a very supportive place for what I want to be doing. Do you feel like you do more more teaching than you did before? I It's a different kind of teaching. I have focused my career on teaching for a number of years now, but this is, you know, I this poor vet student had, we'd finished and discharged a patient and she was trying to squeeze all the fluids out of the IV fluid bag into the sink before she threw the bag away. And she's standing there squeezing it and all the fluids are coming out that little port at the bottom. And I just walked up and I said, you know, you can take your scissors and cut the corner off the bag and the, <laughs> the fluids come out faster. Okay. That sounds to me like a basic <laughs> life skill, really. Yeah. But the look on her face right. was like, Thank you so much. <laughs> and she felt silly, but it's that type of, like, I think they're afraid yeah. to kind of step out. I mean, we just started the brand new students. They've been in their clinical year for a week now. And it's really kind of fun to to get down to that level, to tell them, like, you you can cut the corner off of that. It's going to be okay. <laughs> you, you can change her whole day yeah. with, with one little tip. <laughs> exactly. And I that's, that's really what I enjoy doing is just being there for all of that. And before that, you were not in a veneer school setting? Where Correct. Um, so I was in a corporate practice for three years. Mm -hmm. And then before that, I was in a private, um, mostly ERICU, um, had a couple other specialties. It wasn't like a giant every specialty hospital, but I've been in emergency since 2000. And we'll talk about that a little later, but because you're also a very famous speaker. <laughs> in I, this I do enjoy lecturing, yes. And you lecture everywhere. And, and just to give our listeners a little bit of background information, she is the person that wins every <laughs> speaking award that is in the world. So wherever she goes, she wins an award. <laughs> I don't know about everywhere, but... It's, so yes, it's very flattering. So which one was like three times in a row? Um, twice the mm -hmm. VMX speaker awesome. of the year. I won that one twice. Yes, and there's there's so many people competing for the same thing that mm. I think that is just unbelievable. It is so. yes, and that um, those awards that are chosen by the audience they mm -hmm. mean a lot because mm -hmm. that that's why we do this. That's why we lecture yeah. is to reach out. And and my hope is that people go home and have learned something. And and so to to have that award, and especially twice in a row, was that's so the best thing I have done. So you're going for three times now? Or? <laughs> I, am, I would not say no if they offered it again. <laughs> so I have to tell you a little story about the, the VMX um, speaker awards, because mm -hmm. 
So they give one, they give a small animal one, they give a, a technician program, mm -hmm. there's a large animal. There's like. Do they have a feline one? No. Tom Bone, you don't have a freaking <laughs> feline. If you're listening. Yeah. I can't believe that, Tom. Yeah. So, so um, uh, my career apparently peaked in 2013. <laughs> so I won a couple of awards in like 2013. It's been downhill since then. Really? Yeah. That's also a So that was one of the awards I won in, in 2013. And I was just so, because I've been speaking for a long time, right? Mm -hmm. And it's just, it is an amazing feeling, yeah. right? Mm. So I won the Small Animal Speaker Award. And I remember talking, I'm pretty sure it was Mike Lappin. Mike, if I'm wrong, you can just like, you know, cover your ears. <laughs> but I think it was Mike Lappin. I said, I'm just so happy I won it this year. And he goes, oh, that's great. He says, I've got five. And No way. And I thought, oh. <laughs> really? That's so, quite an so answer. I, I, I might be wrong. I might be misquoting him, but he certainly had more than one well-deserved anyway. So it just shows uh, you that there are there are people who are really good at what they do. It's the passion, I it think. Is. It is. Right? It's the passion that comes through. <laughs> I, I think so. I like to... I. I try to choose topics that I feel very strongly about. I learned early in my career that I can accept assignments for topics, but... If I'm not excited about it, yeah. it's not it's not, it's not going to go yeah. well. And yeah. I can stand up. Anybody can stand up there and deliver information. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Anybody can read bullet points or summarize a book chapter. But I, I want to talk about things that I feel strongly about or I've treated a patient with this disease or I had this moment of, oh, I totally understand how mm -hmm. this works now and I want to share it. And, and that's my whole goal is I struggled a lot at the beginning. I didn't have any mentors. I didn't have a great mm. training. I didn't have a lot of support. And veterinary medicine has changed a lot to allow that. But I just don't want anybody to go home and cry after work. Yeah. yeah. I don't want technicians to feel like they're not contributing to the medical care of their patients. And I want them to advocate for their patients and for themselves. And I just feel very strongly about what technicians can do and what they should be doing. And I want to help them do that through my lecturing. So I have so many questions I want to ask you, but mm -hmm. here, so here's the first one. And that is, so you said there's, there's things that um, really speak to your heart or to your passion that, mm -hmm. that are, you are best to do, you know, lectures or presentations mm -hmm. on. And I, you know, I totally get that. So what are those things for you? Like if, you know, if, if you had a, a top three things mm -hmm. that I really prefer to be asked to speak on, what would they be? Um, the first one for me is critical thinking. Mm. I I think in our country that's maybe lacking a little bit right now. <laughs> and mm. well, not 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 just yes. your country. It's, <laughs> I think none of us really are well taught. Correct. Critical thinking, and yep. and we're just not. We're used to having all of this information in front of us, and we're just accepting it at face value instead of this seems a little bit weird. Let me do some research on mm. it. And I think for technicians in practice. Um, our job is to follow the orders that the veterinarians have given us. And, and I love doing that. I, But I think not enough technicians understand why. They mm. know how, and they often know the right answer. I can tell them, we think an animal has this disease process. What do you want to do next? And they know all the right drugs. But then when I go a step more... Why? Why did we choose that? Why are they showing these signs? Why do we treat shock with these fluids? What's the difference between crystalloids and colloids? Just getting into all of that and understanding why. There's there's so many layers of understanding and being able to ask. I you know I have the opportunity to work with interns and students and residents and and I want to be somebody who can make 
a suggestion and say, I understand what's happening. I want to take a patient that I'm working on and say, this patient is at risk for developing a coagulopathy. So I know what to look for. Mm -hmm. Um, I know how to monitor an anemic patient and say, well, we might need to do blood now because this, this, and this has changed. So I really like to just run through case studies with technicians and really push them to think about the diseases that are happening and how they can alert the veterinarian to changes before something awful happens. So that's one critical thinking. Mm -hmm. Um, The second one is acid-base interpretation. Oh my gosh. Mm. Oh my gosh. Now, normally I would run screaming (laughs) and I am not alone in that. I don't think so. I, so I bow down to you. I I I found a method that just clicked in my head and made sense to me. And I love to talk about it. You should Mm. patent that. Yeah, Yeah, you should. (laughs) Well, it came from a human nursing website and, but I am spreading the word as much as I can. Spreading the acid-base love. Okay. Now I did not expect that. I know. What's number three? Now um, I'm really excited. The third one is not medical. Um, I call it the art of nursing. And it's what it is, is all of the aspects of veterinary medicine that are not necessarily medical. So softer things? Some softer skills, some communication skills, but also some patient enrichment. Um, yeah. Just thinking about, um, I've seen massive differences in cats when you put a box in there for them to hide in, or we'll put a towel over three quarters of the kennel so that they have a a safe space and saying, you know, maybe we shouldn't put this barking seizure dog next to this chronic renal failure cat. Like they're very simple things, but I think when you're young in your career, you are not thinking about those types of things. You're, you're very concerned about the medicine and did I do the calculations right? And, and that's okay. But as I've gotten farther in my career, these are the types of things that we can think about that are going to help our patients beyond medications that we're giving. Oh, I love that. I I'm really happy to just, I have a million pictures of here's how to make these guys more comfortable. Um, and it's people I hope get a lot out of it. I love that idea. And that's awesome. And I was at your lecture this morning. So, mm-hmm. uh, and you did that together with three other people, mm-hmm. which was a, you know, this is the first time I saw four people talk at the same time. <laughs> yeah. Although you didn't really talk at the same time, but yeah. it was really good to see all those different, you know, from, from different standpoints, mm-hmm. how people think about things. But uh, one thing that I, I, I took away from that is uh, the lady at the end that said, you know, this is the first lecture that I got so much out of it that I can apply to myself, uh-huh. which I loved. That was a very nice and touching moment. When she she meant apply to herself personally, personally. more so. Oh, okay, yes. wow, so, you don't so hear we, that very often. Yeah, we, we learn a lot about you know the patients and you have to do this and all mm-hmm. these steps, but very little about how you can help yourself. Uh, yeah. and, and I know Eric talked about Unplugged, you talked about being positive. I mean, there were multiple topics that lent itself to either say, oh, you know, whatever, or mm-hmm. really take it to your heart and then do something with it. And mm. I think that that that's amazing. So, I, you know, I, I really like the way you take examples of your own mm-hmm. or of others and then place them in perspective, which you did a wonderful job. Thank you. Mm-hmm. I, I am fond of saying I make a lot of mistakes, but not hopefully not the same mistake twice. And I think we need to take those mistakes and learn from them. And I am okay taking mistakes that I've made and helping you learn from them so you don't have to go through it. And 
I did that for many years with the medicine and I can still talk about all the medicine mistakes that I mm. made because it happens, but um, we're not perfectionists. And I have, you know, I've been a very negative person. I've been very unhappy at work. I've been very judgy of clients. Mm. I've I've done things and and I've learned from that. And, and I think it takes a specific personality to be able to navigate specialty medicine for 20 years. And uh -huh. um, it's amazing. I love what I do every single day. And that doesn't mean that I don't have hard days, but there I have to be able to learn from what I did that didn't work <laughs> so that yeah. I can yeah. continue to do this. I think it's important that there are people like like yourself and, and, um, and others that are willing to stand up and say, I've made mistakes. Mm -hmm. We all make mistakes. It's a fact of mm -hmm. life. And, and hiding the, you can't hide it. You shouldn't hide. It's not, mm -hmm. it's not healthy to hide it for one thing. Yeah. So I think it's good when people who are speakers or have some respect in the community will stand up and, and, and say, yeah, I, I've done this, mm -hmm. but here's what I've learned from it. And here's how you don't make that mistake yourself. Yes. Right. It, that openness. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hopefully not. You know, if you start your career thinking you're never going to make a mistake, mm -hmm. you're going to be very disappointed. And yes. And just crushed when you make oh, that mistake and think gosh. nobody else is doing this. I think that's really important too, that, you know, I remember idolizing speakers that I'm still embarrassed to meet people that I, you know, oh my goodness, that person is famous and they know everything. And, and you just put them on this pedestal and think they know everything. They're so smart. They do everything right. And and it's not true. No. That's how I felt about Susan. And now that's been shattered. And, is that and, what you're saying? And now the myth is totally shattered. <laughs> now I know it a lot better. You know. No, but it's true. Yeah, it's it true. true. And I think it's, it's, it's being able to talk about these things already helps you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, it's absolutely. And it's very cathartic for me to be yeah. able to kind of share that and say, this is the path that I took to get here. And I see a lot of nodding heads. I think a lot of people are are just realizing that it, you mm. don't have to be perfect. It's okay to make mistakes. And this is how you get up and yeah. show up the next day and keep going. So there's, there's a phrase that I like, um, perfect is the enemy of good. Oh, right. So I, like that. I did not coin it. I don't know where it comes from, <laughs> but by any means, but, but it means if you, if you're constantly striving for perfection, um, you'll, you, you won't be, you won't be able to be good. Mm -hmm. And most of the time you just need to be good, right? You don't need, yeah. you can't be perfect all the time. And most of the time you don't need to be perfect. You need to be good. So it's better to be consistently good. Yeah. Why right? are we afraid of yeah. good? It's a pressure we put on ourselves. Yes, it's yeah. true, but we need to. I think uh, just as a people, not necessarily even just veterinary medicine, but as a collective yeah. society just need to yeah. say, it's okay to get up and have done your best. And yeah. just as long as you're learning from what's not going right, I'm happy with that. Yeah, absolutely. I want to switch topics a little bit about, because what you said about judging people. Mm -hmm. uh, and you work in emergency critical care mm -hmm. and you gave the really cool example. And I've done it myself too, mm -hmm. so I, I confess right now about these cases that you know that kind of are at the end, mm -hmm. and that you're wondering why are people waiting so long to yeah. make this yes. stupid decision? You know, you're yeah. like, "Come on, guys, yeah, let's, let's just do, do it. it." How do you not understand I that know. this is not going to get better? How do you? We've told you point blank. I know we can't over fix this and over yep. and over. Yeah. So, yeah. And it's easy to be judgmental of those people, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. it is it is really hard. And I I struggled a lot with that and I carried a lot of anger around with me. And 
I would dread going to work knowing that that case was going to be there and we were just going to have to do it. And, you know, we're dragging this this animal through treatments mm. and um, they're not getting any better. And the owners stopped visiting because they're having a hard mm. time seeing their pet like that. And and how how do we not be angry at mm. those people for doing that? And I it's it's harder, but at the same time, it's easier to just let that go, you know, and just not not try to I can't be responsible right. for the decisions they make. Yeah, you can't take that on on board mm-hmm. all for yourself. I think the same applies to we all see people who have brought an animal in what in when we consider it's later than it should have been. Yes. You know, they. so, so one of the things that I've learned over the years is you don't know what's going on in that person's life. Absolutely. You have not walked in their shoes. You don't know what's going on at home. You don't know what's going on in their job. You don't know what's going on in their own health. You just, mm-hmm. and you just don't know. And because we don't know, you have to give people the benefit of the doubt. Yes. You, I, I you have a phrase that, yourself, right? that I, I say this over and over to myself, and it is assume good intent. Yeah. That when somebody yeah. brings in an emaciated, urine scald, hasn't eaten for four days, and, you know, we are so, why? I can't believe they yeah. didn't do anything about it. They let this go on. They're doing the best they can, and at least they brought the pet in. Yeah. Even if it takes its, its agonal breath as we are trying to euthanize it, they came in wanting to do the best. Yeah. And if I can convince myself of that, then I I no longer carry around that anger, that guilt, that um, just... Mm. Yeah. And because it's a useless it emotion, isn't exactly. it? And it's just kinda, and you, it's you can't do anything And it's with damaging. It. Yeah. It's damaging. Yeah. You just hang on to it, and it eats away at you. I so, think the... Just... Before, before we move on, I think the other thing that's helped is we're seeing um, a, a rise and a, a focus, more interest on palliative care. Mm-hmm. So switching, you know, so may, maybe those owners that are really struggling with the mm-hmm. end of life decisions, maybe um, for some of them, it's going to be easier to say, let's move to palliative care. Mm-hmm. They Maybe they just need an interim step, right? Yeah. And we have a long way to go in terms mm-hmm. of learning what to do and how to do that. But it's certainly happening. We've had um, Mary Gardner of Lap mm. of Love and Sheila Robertson from Lap of Love on yes. our podcast, um, awesome. who who are really just revolutionizing yeah. that whole area. Let's let's talk about yeah. getting oxygen at home yeah. for your mm-hmm. pet. Let's talk about you know because I think that does help. I think they need to see it as as a technician as we struggle with these animals in the hospital. Um, it's hard for owners to see how the pet is doing. They come visit for a few minutes, but if they go home and they're yeah. in and an the oxygen kennel up. or... I mean, yeah, yeah. exactly. Get to stimuli, stimuli, suddenly it perks up and it says, oh, it's not doing that bad. Well, yeah. we are looking at this pet being flat out. Most exactly. Of the day, so. and, and not that I want to have owners struggle through that at home, but I think it... it it just helps them understand. And we say, this is the best that we are doing. And we want, I love it when animals are able to go home and spend yes. even six hours with their family before their yeah. life ends. Yeah. That um, let's focus on that. How can we make them comfortable? Not how can we fix them, but mm-hmm. how can we make them mm-hmm. comfortable? Yeah, I, I think we need to put more emphasis on that. Mm-hmm. That's something I, I, I really appreciate developing in veterinary medicine. Yeah. yeah. So Megan, this was wonderful. Thank this you. is part one of two parts that we'll be talking to you. And uh, like I said, we'd like to keep these things around 25 minutes, mm-hmm. uh, 20, 25 minutes. So uh, we're so excited. We'll have you back in two weeks. Yes. <laughs> Megan times two. Yay. I know. <laughs> Can't I know. Wait. Her second award, oh. her podcast award is Yay. next week. Excellent. Thank you. Thank you. Dr. Susan Little is a feline medicine specialist.
with two cat-only hospitals in Ottawa, Canada. She is best known as an international speaker and as the author and editor of two textbooks, The Cat, Clinical Medicine and Management, and August, Consultations in Feline Internal Medicine. Along with three cats, she also admits to owning two dogs, and you can follow her on social media with the handle at CatPetSoup. Dr. Yola Kirpenstein is a diplomat of the American and European College of Veterinary Surgeons and a big cat fan. His specialties range from surgical oncology and reconstruction to minimally invasive surgery. He is the author of two textbooks on basic and reconstructive surgery. Did you know he was allergic to cats? Yola works currently at Hills Pet Nutrition. You can follow him on social media with the handle at G-V-E-T-S-S. therapeutic options for different disease processes. If you're a pet owner with questions, please go to your local veterinarian. If you're a veterinary professional, ask your questions on our Instagram page at Her Podcast.